Welcome to In the Isles, a movie and TV podcast. I'm James Rothwell. I'm Daniel Acton. Congratulations or commiserations to our American listeners, depending on which half of the country you belong to. This is being recorded a few days before the uh, the big event. This week, we'll be talking about what we've been watching. We'll talk some real news that has caught our eyes. And for our main review, we're talking about... Borat, subsequent movie film on Amazon Prime. What's this big event in America you're referring to? It's the voting event. Oh, right, okay. For? For their version of our Prime Minister. President, is it? Yeah. Cool. What have you done this week? So I've not been very well this week. You might be able to tell through my nasally tone developed some COVID-like symptoms. So went and got myself tested, did the responsible thing. Pulled up at the drive through testing station, nowhere near as inviting as a KFC or McDonald's, I must say. We basically got told from the word go, do not wind your windows down, do not. 40 seconds later, drove on a little bit, woman approached the car, wound my window down. Are you all right? She jumped back like I'd set off a tear gas grenade. And Charlotte was like, what are you doing? What are you doing? Wind the window up. She was fuming. It's not a good start. But I've, I've got to say, right, and I'm, I'm not trying to be unsavory, and you can cut this out, James. You, you have permission. But I have got a newfound respect for some people because having to put something against the back of your throat for more than five seconds is not an easy feat. It is horrendous. I was nearly sick in my car several times. It is not nice. It's not a nice experience. But guess what? I'm negative. Negative. Woo! Get down the pub. No, no, no. That's, that's not what we should be doing, James. I'm going for a pint after this, though, actually. So, yeah. What about you? What have you been up to? I've just realised that for the past six months, my life's been on a cycle of home, Tesco, Possibly Trafford Centre on the weekend, home, Tesco. It's, it's getting going a bit too far now, but got nothing to say is what I'm getting at. <laughs> nothing. We're all in the same boat. Don't commiserate. We're all experiencing it. It's driving everyone a bit bonkers, methinks. That's why I've got three pieces of streaming content on my watch list this week. Using your time effectively. Speaking of what I've been watching... What have you been watching? I don't want to overexpose people to horror. I'm very conscious that we've had four weeks now of leading up to Halloween, and by the time this episode is released, no one gives a damn anymore. It's been and gone. But as we're recording, this is the weekend of Halloween, so I've indulged in a little bit more horror. So I apologise for that in advance. It is quite interesting because what I did get to watch is His House, which is... Netflix's rival to Amazon's original content. This is from a first-time filmmaker and is produced by BBC Films, so there was a certain level of expectation coming into this film. I thought this isn't going to be a run-of-the-mill horror film. And in summary, it's about a refugee couple who makes a harrowing escape from war-torn South Sudan, but then they struggle to adjust to their new life in an English town that has an evil lurking beneath the surface. What I liked about this film is just like Evil Eye, which we 
were not so hot on, to say the least. This is dealing with a refreshing perspective as we near enough solely deal with these two African characters as they struggle to adjust to their life in England. Unlike Evil Eye, their background and culture plays a bigger part in the story and has a lot more relevance. It actually matters in terms of the narrative, which is something that Evil Eye completely abandoned. To be honest, there's some really genuinely creepy, scary moments in this and and really effective jump scares throughout. For a first-time director as well, some quite haunting imagery throughout the whole runtime. I thought there was some good use of the camera, nice lighting, setting a, a good scene around these horrific events that have happened in their homeland, and I did appreciate it for that. I can't say I fully understood the ending, and I've not read into what other people's opinions are on what actually happened, but I'm putting that on me. I think I slightly diverted my attention to my phone in the latter act of the film, which we've previously said is a cinematic crime. So that is is my responsibility. I do think it deserves credit for telling a horror story from a different perspective and doing it well, which Evil Eye did not. And I certainly don't regret watching it. Yeah, I think it's a recommend from me on that one. That's His House on Netflix. Is that a film or series? It's a film. Netflix original film. Might catch that just in time for Halloween to be forgotten about. What else have you been watching? I'm going to give you two more pieces of content, but keep them very brief. One, not worth watching. One, maybe it is. First off is The Sister on ITV. Summarise this, it's almost a decade into a newly devoted marriage. A character called Nathan is rocked to his core when Bob, an unwelcome face from his past turns up on his doorstep with shocking news, triggering a series of catastrophic decisions. So this, again, staying in the spirit of Halloween, this is ITV's attempt to draw you in to that Halloween mood. And what looks like a straightforward crime thriller does have some supernatural undertones that I wasn't quite expecting. Now, all that aside, it's not that good. Outside my expectations enough that I, w- I am going to see it through, I'm going to watch it, it's only four episodes. There's a lot of cliches in this that didn't quite work. It's almost serviceable enough, but yeah, don't know. Just if you've got anything else, probably probably give this a miss. The only reason to watch it is for, I think he's called Russell Torvey, who looks like Pob. Do you know what I mean? No, I don't know. Is that a cartoon character? Yeah, he looks exactly like Pob. It's uncanny. Pretty sure that his birth was some form of DNA manufacturing where they said, can I have a child that looks like Pob? Because it's, it's honestly it's weird. Anyway, as a side point to this, ITV. Have you seen ITV's menu in terms of its content and what's on there? It's embarrassing. No, what on the ITV hub? Just their yeah. general programming selection. I've not seen it. It's just like Celebrity Juice, which once in a while I don't mind. Love Island. The only way is Essex. This morning. There's just nothing original on the... They've no content of value. Des is the only thing that's come out in the last few months that they're promoting on there. Everything else is just utter, utter rubbish. That's a shame. But I'm not surprised either because I've not watched anything on ITV for a very, very long time, apart from Love Island which we've discussed all the way back in episode one. We did, and don't want to get into an argument again, so let's leave it there. It's just, just, yeah, let's leave it, leave it. What's your maybe recommend then? 
so last thing on my list is a TV show that I've been looking forward to for quite a while, and I think it was delayed because of the old coronavirus, and that is The Undoing on Now TV, a HBO Max original. This is another pairing of Nicole Kidman and writer David E. Kelly, who joined forces for Big Little Lies. So far, it's riveting. I don't quite know where it's going. IMDb's summary of this does not even come into play in the first episode. So I'm very unaware of where we're going. It's basically, as far as I know now, a mother within Nicole Kidman's family's community is murdered. A husband then goes missing. A husband played by a rather old-looking Hugh Grant, by the way. And yeah, not, not a lot more to know at the minute than that. Only thing to add, if you're a bit of a perv, there's some full frontal nudity in the first episode. Not my thing, but, you know, just thought I'd throw that in there. Yeah, I'm hooked. I want to see what happens next. And and Nicole Kidman, not to go against what I've just said and uh, appear rather perfect, but my word, what an ethereal, majestic, ageless beauty she is. She looks fantastic in this. And looks aside, because it's not all about looks, gives a, a fine performance yet again. So there you go. Very brief overview because I don't really know a lot more about it at the minute, but I found it rather entertaining. Nicole Kidman, indeed one of the greats, but which is her best decade? (laughs) I'll do that. Do that another time. I very nearly watched The Undoing. It was between that and something else that I've chosen to watch. Sure, I've swung it now with a full frontal nudity for you. Yeah. So if you didn't watch The Undoing, what did you watch? I watched... Brave New World, which I thought was new, but it seems to have been released in July in America on floundering streaming service Peacock. Never heard of it. Brave New World was cancelled for season two the day that I started watching this, just by coincidence. (laughs) So I've invested my time poorly. It's based on the book, of course, which I have not read. I thought I had, but I was mixing it up with other dystopian works like 1984. So I'm not one of those people saying, but in the book, this happens in the book, in the book, in the book, in the book. I was coming in clean. So in the future, people pop pills to stay happy in a futuristic New London, and they're separated into social castes at birth from A plus to E, alpha, epsilon. There's no monogamy and lots of orgies happening every one or two episodes. And there's a savage land that is more like our modern day world where people live in poverty i suppose and they're savage and they're seen as relics of the past triple protagonists aiden erin reich of young han solo fame jessica brown findley who i didn't realize was in a very good black mirror episode and harry lloyd who was last seen having molten liquid gold poured over his head in game of thrones all very strong they're really good and the plot is that aiden erin reich finds his way into the utopia and what happens to him can he adapt what happens to jessica brown findlay and harry lloyd after they have a life-changing drama happen to them and can they awaken from this utopian nightmare that they're in it's a classic sci-fi story of overcoming the cruel system and it's something that we have seen before it's like logan's run or the island or any dystopian thing you can think of it's a lot like the christian bell one Equilibrium. Yeah. It's a shame that it's been cancelled because I'm really liking it at first. I'm five episodes in out of the eight. It's not the best thing ever. It's not that thought-provoking. It doesn't raise questions that, like I said, I haven't thought of before, but the performances are strong. 
it looks really good. The setting has some nice physical sets with like the CGI New London in the background. And I'm interested to see what happens. How can these three characters navigate this world that they're realizing is not so perfect? It's a recommend from me. Unfortunate that it's been cancelled, but hopefully someone else will pick it up. And you never know, they might actually wrap it up in quite a nice way so it can be a, a standalone season. Like the once praised and now missed Point Pleasant that is fresh in everyone's mind. Yeah, I'm sure, I definitely know what you're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's an obscure reference that. If you tell me that it wraps up quite nicely without a second season, I might give that a go. And weirdly enough, I'd never heard of Peacock till this week and I've come across them like three times in the space of the week. They're doing a Saved by the Bell reboot. What I suspect, based on no actual inside information or reading into this topic, is that they put all this money into Brave New World and they said this has to be a huge and immediate success like Westworld or Game of Thrones. Otherwise, it goes straight in the bin. And obviously that's not happened, so it's gone straight in the bin. Shame. Anything else where you've watched something and it's fair is not in complete and utter tarnishes? I've watched something in its entirety that does wrap up. It's on the BBC. It's Roadkill, starring Mr. House, Hugh Laurie, with his real English accent. I really wanted to watch this. Tell me it's good. I had high expectations because this is the first BBC product that I've watched since Life, which I absolutely loved. It's about a conservative politician who's charismatic. He's a man of the people. He's got the charm. He can speak to the plebs. But he's got a shady past that might hurt his meteoric rise to prominence. Mm, does it sound familiar? Mm. It's a bit on the nose in that way. So I was suspicious of it um, at first. I did breeze through it. It was an easy watch, even though at first I thought, mm, all these characters are bad people. There's no one that's sympathetic, whether it's his wife or his daughters, the press that are trying to go after him, his political rivals. Everyone's terrible, but there is one character in prison. There's a lot of like prison stuff going on because he's the Minister of Justice. There's one character in prison that you can hang on to as the sympathetic like, moral centre and heart of the whole thing. The main character, I thought at first again, was weird because I couldn't tell whether he was all conservatives are bad, look at how terrible they are, or sympathetic or what. But I realised that's the point. You don't know until the end what his true moral character actually is and is he going to do the right thing or not and that's what it comes down to in the end and in the end it does end it's a one and done four episode show there's lots of political maneuvering revelations in the press legal battles some family drama overall i was entertained even though it was a bit of a shaky start i will say though i love the thick of it the amando Iannucci comedy absolutely love it and I couldn't help but think throughout that the thick of it did this kind of thing so much better. Realistic insider view of politics and all the manoeuvring and backstabbing and press interaction that goes on. But it was still good. I've got one more quick one. LA Revolution on Netflix, the historical fiction about the French Revolution with zombies. Have you seen this? I'm sure you've seen an image of it on Netflix. And that is all I've seen. Not going to lie, I gave up after two episodes because there's no zombies in it, two episodes in, and it's only eight episodes long. 
Gaia Vice, who's the reason I was watching it, doesn't seem to turn up. And I did think, hang on, where's the actual revolution? Because in the posters and the images in the trailer, you'd think it's about the battles of the French Revolution, including zombies, which is lots of fun. So what I did, I skipped through all the remaining six episodes just to get a quick view of what goes on. The actual revolution part only happens in the last episode. And it's just seven episodes of build before that, which from the quick flashes of images that I saw as I was scrolling across the screen with my mouse, not even any epic zombie fights. So I'm disappointed. I feel so strongly about it that I'm bringing it up just to say I'm disappointed. So I skipped it. It was a quick Alf Wiedersehen from me, so to speak. Okay. Yeah, I'll skip that one as well. Thanks for uh, equipping me with the knowledge to skip it. Last week was quite an informative real news segment. There was a lot going on. Did we get lucky or has it happened again? Let's find out. It's the real thing. It is now real, real news, news. Shia LaBeouf update, friend of the show. We've talked about how we got a tattoo covering his entire chest just for tax collector. It's finally come out, possibly a few weeks ago, but it's caught my attention. 19% critics score on Rotten Tomatoes. But 72% audience. Oh, really? Big difference there. Mm. $900,000 gross, which isn't really fair to bring up in these times. We'll just set that aside. Was it worth it, Shire, for this? It wasn't even before the reviews came out, so no. Idiot. Still a friend of the show, but you're an idiot, mate. We'll welcome you on at any point for an interview to explain yourself. I'd love to sit and talk to Shia Booth, just to talk about Even Stevens, if anything. One of the great children's comedy shows. Just to talk about what? Sorry, I coughed through that. Even Stevens which was an American comedy television series that aired on the Disney Channel with a total of three seasons and 65 episodes from June 17th, 2000 to June 2nd, 2003. Never heard of it. Never heard of it. He's really good in it. Okay. I'll take you at your word. Another thing that's got my attention, not the existence of the new Thor film and that Natalie Portman is going to be in it, but a quote came out that was strangely familiar So this is a quote from Natalie Portman from an interview very, very recently, speaking about Thor. She does have powers. It's not exactly the same as Thor. It's her own version of it. And she's called the Mighty Thor. Back in July 2014, there was a female Thor in the comics, and it was all the controversy and clickbait content that you would expect. Here's a quote from the writer of the comic, Jason Aaron. This is not she Thor. This is not Lady Thor. This is not Thorita. This is Thor. This is the Thor of the Marvel Universe, but it's unlike any other Thor we've ever seen before. It's the same quote, saying the same thing. Just thought that was interesting. Are you surprised that these press releases and and interviews are pre-scripted? No, and you (laughs) undercut me quite successfully with that, but I just thought I'd just mention it because I was, I don't know, I feel a bit stupid now. Well, you shouldn't because now that I've said that, I think, what a sniffling little pompous dick you are. Why why did you even say that? It is interesting because, like we said, it is prescribed what what has been said. There's been forethought into it. It's manufactured news. It's all marketing. You've got to see through it. 
see through it and just watch the film, which I'm looking forward to, to be fair. It'll be amazing. Agreed. Make your own mind up. What news have you got? Hey, sweetheart, how's it going, Miss Moneypenny? Yeah. Sean Connery, dead at 90. Good impression, that one. Yep. Yep. Uh, no, sad times, sad times. Sean Connery, such an iconic actor whose legacy will live on for at least the next 60 years whilst people are still alive to remember who he was. I don't want to undercut his, his death. It's quite a tragic, horrible thing. But 90, good innings. He's done well there. Just worth a mention as well, not to ruin his legacy even further than I already have with both the appalling impression that I just made and some of the comments. But not a good end to his career, was it? Ended on a bit of a low with Extraordinary League of Gentlemen, which was absolutely shat on by critics and and general viewers alike. And subsequently, he retired from acting due to his experience on that film. So many on-set fights with the director that he just went, do you know what? I'm throwing in the towel! And, yeah, he was done. So, yeah, tragic, tragic news. But what a lasting impact he will have on the film industry. God rest ye soul, Mr. Sean Connery. And all of Indiana Jones was recently released on Amazon Prime Video. So now's as good a time as any to watch him in The Last Crusade. There's a lot of tweets pointing out that Harrison Ford and Sean Connery were only 12 years apart in The Last Crusade, even though Sean Connery was playing his father. Yeah, we know. We know. It's not new information. Yeah, and that was at the time. In arguably more important news, Tomb Raider 2 brackets again because we've already had a Tomb Raider 2, the Alicia Vikander one, has been delayed indefinitely. And I'm sure that there's at least four people who are in absolute outrage at the minute because I don't really know who wanted to see this. So I'm not bothered. And I didn't mind the reboot with her. I thought it was okay. It was okay, but I'm not that precious about seeing another one. So I can't say I care much. And with that, I'm sorry for bringing it up because I'm sure many other people don't either. Yeah, a film no one cared about, a sequel no one wanted with news that no one cares about. You're welcome. I wouldn't have minded it. Alicia Vikander, always good. I like the new games, but shame. Well, not really a shame, I don't really care. Speaking of sequels that no one was asking for, let's move on to our main review. Hello, I'd like to order an opinion, please. This film is new, fresh point of view. Promise it back, this is a fact. We in the aisles, here are some aisles. Thoughts in sync, tell you what to think. I'll listen to you, but please don't rap again. This week's main review is Borat, subsequent movie film, delivery of prodigious bribe to American regime for make benefit of once glorious nation of Kazakhstan. I'm here to give my daughter as a gift to someone close to the throne. And a dress with real sexy peels. Uh, this is a bag that just goes mm, over the dress. Very nice. I have a baby inside me. Can you take it out? No, we cannot. That's not what we do here. I feel bad because I was the one who put the baby in her. Did you ever put one in your daughter? No, I did not. The daddy has a lot to learn. My daddy is the smartest person in the whole flat world. 
<laughs> while the risk of coronavirus remains low, as the president said yesterday, we're ready for anything. Michael Penis, I brought the girl for you. Borat's subsequent movie film. You fist me. <laughs> right. uh, now I fist you? All right, there you what go. do you prefer? You fist me or I fist you? Same time. Fist each other. There, yeah, you, go. there you go. In an effort to make their presence felt on the world stage, Kazakhstan employs a Sasha Baron Cohen lookalike as a last minute attempt to influence the US election results. IMDb's surprisingly straightforward description. Follow-up film to the 2006 comedy centering on the real-life adventures of a fictional Kazakh television journalist named Borat. Daniel, what did you think of Borat 2? A strange experience. The first 15 minutes into this film, I was feeling really, really, really underwhelmed and a bit confused. Because my memory of the first film wasn't really intact. I don't even remember the structure or format of it. So when they tried to interweave this fictional story alongside the sketches, I was slightly surprised, which is strange because that is exactly what the first film does. It just wasn't my memory of it at all. The main thing that immediately had me feeling off balance with this is it really did feel like Sasha Baron Cohen was doing a Borat impression. And I don't know if that's him being rusty and struggling to get into the character or the fact that the character is so widely recognised and I've heard so many people, including myself, do impressions of it over the intervening years that my memory of it isn't quite accurate. Once I got used to that and it settles into its groove a bit more, I did feel that it improved. But the biggest problem throughout the whole film for me is the scenes are only funny if you're aware of the context in which they're filmed. Is it scripted or staged? Are they real people? I really struggle with knowing how I should or wanted to react to certain scenes in the film. If I was to put all my doubts aside and say everything in this film is setting people up to make absolute asses out of themselves, then it would quite probably be one of the funniest films I've seen all year round. But for me, I did feel as though I was constantly questioning how the filming of these sketches had come about, the fact that the camera was in the room, how did they ever agree to this and what did these people think they were getting into? With, with the first film, I was a lot younger, I was more gullible as a person and a lot more receptive to buying into it and not questioning the finer detail. Now I'm a lot more of a world-weary, cynical mess of a man. So I found it really hard to put those things to one side. I'll be honest, I think for me, that impacted my enjoyment of the film. I do think the filmmakers are quite self-aware and they directly acknowledge that to a degree, and specifically with the character of Borat himself, it's problematic. People know who he is. There's a scene early on with people chasing him around for his autograph. So they do recognise that and they come up with inventive ways to get around it. Immediately after watching it, I did feel, as I said at the start, very underwhelmed and I didn't have many thoughts on it. However, the more that I've had a chance to mull it over and I've researched which bits were real and which bits I should have been laughing at, I've gained a deeper sense of appreciation for it and also Sasha Baron Cohen's commitment to his art. Just absolute sheer admiration for the danger that he put himself in with this film. I do think that if it weren't for the addition of Maria Bakalava, I don't know how you say her name, I'm going to butcher that, who plays his daughter, Tuta, I think it would have been absolutely slated. People would have been tired of this shtick because 
it wouldn't really work, but she helps breathe life into it. And I really think that for the most part, this film had everything stacked against it and shouldn't have worked at all. But on reflection, the way that they manufactured a story around these sketches was either really fortunate or very, very well crafted. I think it's a lot better than it has any right to be. So I'd say it was a semi-successful experiment and it has made me want to go back and watch the original to see how it stacks up. Very well said, as always. I think you are not a mess. You are not a mess. You always have a very clean haircut. You've given voice to a lot of the positive things that I was thinking. Maria Bakalova is really good in this. I liked her. I found it hard to digest the mix of fake interviews and more of a proper story this time around. And the story is going for more sincere family drama that I couldn't quite hook into because of all the fake interviews that are happening as well. There are laughs. I did laugh like at the family planning clinic with the plastic baby and the obvious contradictions of the QAnon lads where they will immediately contradict themselves when they're describing their their views about uh, the different political camps. Uh, And there's really funny scripted moments as well, like when they hug and the balloon breasts pop, just some classic, classic comedy timing. So I won't repeat what you've said. I think all the positive points stand. I, I agree with that. I just have to ask, though, does this come from a good place? Because when I talked about Pen15, the age-bending high school comedy on Hulu, I talked about that coming from a good place, from a place of love. And I see Borat 2 as coming from a dark place, at worst maybe even a place of hatred that wants to take shots at these predictable, safe targets in America. And I'm not sure that I was entertained when it was making those attacks on certain groups and individuals, regardless of whether they deserve criticism or not. I just thought, are you helping or are you hurting when you're just going after people because you don't like them? And the other problem was that I felt like I've already seen four years of this type of thing and these kinds of criticisms. It's old by now. I feel like we've seen this on things like The Daily Show a lot. But at the same time, it's Sasha Baron Cohen being Borat, which by default is entertaining. It's funny. It just is. I've got complicated feelings about it, even though this is a comedy film in which Sasha Baron Cohen takes a dump outside of Trump Tower. So I shouldn't feel complicated about it, but this is just my raw in the aisles immediate reaction to it. I think everything that you've said is fair. And I had similar thoughts in terms of like you said, where does this film come from? What is its aim? And is it quite dark in the place that it comes from? I think we can dig into that a bit more in spoilers. But yeah, I got a sense that people were being manipulated here to make a point and I don't know how fair that is in some cases. It is problematic to a degree, some of this film, but it can't be argued that, as you said, we both admitted it. Regardless of all that, there's some funny moments to be had just at the expense of other people. Yeah, but where there is that sincere story stuff between Bora and Tutar, his daughter, that is good as well. That's just very well-written, properly done comedy, which I enjoyed very much as well. I would love to know and see a behind-the-scenes footage, or documentary rather, about this, because without knowing the intricate detail of how they did weave in that plot, it just seemed too fortunate in some cases to have that dramatic story 
sketch for sketch line into it somehow. Do you know what I mean? It, it, there was always relevance to what was going on and whether, as I said, that was just fortune or good writing or good timing. I, d- I don't know. And I would like to know. I read that Sasha Baron Cohen was writing it at night, that each night he was having real things happening with the QAnon guys. He was writing out what might happen next. So I think that's partly how they pulled it off. But it is also obviously affected by the coronavirus mm. pandemic. From a general point of view, I don't think I had much more to add. How about you? I just have one point to make, and it's about the fact that this is a sequel coming 14 years after the original. Think back to 2006. Around 2004 to seven, there was the launch of Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, Reddit. The internet media world wasn't what it is now. So back then, it was useful to have Borat exposing people in this way. But today, in 2020, people are always filming each other and they're filming themselves doing stupid things and exposing themselves for what they really are. So do we need Borat to show us the real America? Because the real America is filming itself and posting itself to YouTube all the time. So I just wonder, do we need something like this? Is it valuable? That's what I was thinking about. I think that's a very good point, actually, and and well articulated as well, because it is a completely different time period now with everything that you've just mentioned that's changed from a tech point of view. And I almost wonder whether the political statement of this was what was driving Sasha Baron Cohen. I, I, I do think there's a bit to be said around, is he just up for the challenge of can he pull this off again, knowing how overexposed his celebrity and, and characters are? I don't know whether that might have been... Uh, I'm not too bothered about highlighting how stupid Americans are. That's just a nice added bonus. Let's just see if I can do this one last time with the world that we live in today. Who who knows? But I think you make a very good point there for why it doesn't have the impact that it had back in 2006 and why we probably had completely different reactions, even though essentially it is pretty much the same film as the first. Yeah, it is It is the same. What, what do you mean whether he could pull it off? Do you mean whether he can pull off doing secret interviews of people? Yeah. And that's the big question, isn't it? Does he pull it off? Daniel, would you recommend Borat's subsequent movie film? Had you asked me moments after me just viewing it, I probably would have said no. But on reflection, deep reflection, the answer is maybe. Sorry to sit on the fence. James, how about you? I wasn't sure either, but I was smiling. I did laugh. Talking about it in now in details made me realise some very high points i'm gonna say yes very good and i like a sheep shall follow you into your flock and change my answer to yes i'd recommend let's go further in depth in spoilers bruce willis real name is tyler durden sank at the end oh thanks a lot spoilers as we mentioned in pre-spoilers sasha baron cohen celebrity now he's been rumbled people know who he is the challenge is so much bigger than it once was and he's got to come up with new inventive ways to hoodwink people and that is exactly what they do in the form of disguising him in different manners not portraying himself as Borat which to a degree in this film Borat is kind of sidelined 
in favor of the daughter character and she acts as like a vessel for him because using Borat is just no longer a possibility. I think that was effective in the film and how they did that. With that in mind, and again, to come back to another of the points that I think both of us had problems with, it's knowing what you can or should be laughing at, which bits were staged and which bits weren't. So between us both, we've gone off and dug around and found out some information as to which scenes were, in fact, authentic or as authentic as they could be. So we've got a bit of a breakdown of that. Shall we start off with what is probably the most publicised and known at the minute, which is the, can't say his name, you say it. Rudy Giuliani. That's the dick. That's the one. I do not want to align myself with such a man. I'm not in his favour here at all. I must say that straight away. What did you make of that scene? Is it as controversial as the filmmakers would like us to believe? Is it being a bit sensationalised? What do you think? Yeah, same disclaimer. He's not my guy. The big thing is this, was he tucking in his shirt or not? I believe he was sincerely tucking in his shirt. So I don't think what's in the scene is as lewd as what the different articles are talking about. But I don't even think that's the point. The point is, why are you going into someone's hotel room? There's only one reason to ever go into someone's hotel room. And that in itself is what's wrong with it. And that's why the whole thing was weird. Not just what's he going to do. Why have you even invited yourself up there? That was my take on it. And all the music was so tense, it became a horror film. I was thinking, this I can't believe they've actually got him going in this room. It didn't even matter what he did to me after that point. What did you think? Pretty much the same as you, but then when I discussed it with my partner, she made me feel awful for having that outlook because she was like, what? As you've said, and I suppose we are on the same page, He's gone into that room, and why, Why really, from a practical standpoint, why are you lying down on the bed? He knows what he wants his end goal to be here. I think that bit is... It's difficult, really, because they could only push this situation so far where it wouldn't become funny anymore. And I think that is the point to just hit the very edge of what can be funny without going into, well, sexual abuse, basically. Um, so that is a very awkward and fine line to tread. And I think for the most part, they probably went as far as they could with it. Yes, they did. And there's been statements since then saying, we kept Maria back all over safe. It was fine. But I would submit that the safest thing to do would be not engineer that situation to begin with. <laughs> yeah, but you could probably say that for 90% of this film. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. One thing that I heard or read, which I didn't realise, and I still don't know if it's true, I've heard slash read that the main sticking point with that whole scene is he follows or goes into that bedroom under the impression that she is 15 years old. Now, I don't remember that being said directly to him by the actress or much being made of it in the film itself. Might have missed that. Is that something you're aware of? Because that does make it an entirely different thing. Yeah, that does make it different. But there's no way she's 15 looking at her. I mean, is he that stupid? <laughs> Who have even believed that? I don't know. I didn't, I didn't pick up on that, to be honest. And it might just be rumour, but it is something that I came across and just wondered if I'd missed something there. But we seem to both not come across that tidbit of information. And I also a question, was it funny? I was just uncomfortable, and this conversation is uncomfortable, but it's supposed to be a comedy. 
like like I said, such a fine line. I think you're going to have very polarizing opinions on it. For some people, it'll work, and others, it just may feel extremely creeped out and awkward. So, I read as well that, and I wish I'd read it in more detail to provide the uh, context around it. But when he's in the cupboard during this whole situation, for some reason, he's got a mobile phone. I don't know whether that's to monitor the situation to then interrupt. I can't specifically remember how the scene plays out. But apparently all this planning had gone into the scene. And when he got in the closet, the battery on the phone was at 3%. And he was fuming, thinking all this strategic planning around this very scene and nobody thought to charge the actual phone. What the hell? (laughs) Just thought that that was quite interesting. So that's that scene. The next scene that's probably worth a mention, of all the things that are in this film, this is the one that I thought, no, I can actually buy that this is 100% real. But this is when he infiltrates the Conservative Political Action Conference. This is probably common knowledge now because it's, it's been out in the news for the last week and a half. But the effort that went into him pulling this off. So he, he first goes in the building dressed as a Ku Klux Klan member, which is daring to say the least. He then hid himself in a bathroom for five hours before he dons this Trump costume. And he confronts Mike Pence on stage. And this was covered in the news at the time without anybody actually realising that this was Sasha Baron Cohen under that Trump disguise. You can see somebody getting shot in that situation, especially with America and the climate that they're in at the minute. Kudos to him for that. What did you think of that whole scene? Yeah, one of the best scenes in the whole thing. The build-up of him dressed as the... KKK and just the nerve and the way that he was holding his daughter in tights but a skirt was riding up it was so lewd and yeah it was it was really good and Mike Pence trying to keep a straight face that was it was really good very very funny and no doubt that that was real slightly more problematic scene is the cotillion that the attenders father and daughter which is probably the most graphic of scenes in terms of how far they actually go with the joke. So they're performing this dance on stage. The dance gets slightly more dirty dancey as as we go on, shall we say, to the point where his daughter, or the woman playing his daughter, has her legs up in the air and you can see everything, including a sanitary pad full of blood. I'm just saying what happens in the film. I'm not trying to be vulgar here. This is what happens. And it was so outrageous that I did find myself laughing And this is, for all intents and purposes, it did happen. They did set this up. The reactions were real. But the way in which they set this up is slightly conniving and a bit manipulative, as you were alluded to before in terms of its message. Is it a bit more calculated? I don't know if you know, they sent out invites to an event and they knew they were being filmed, everyone who attended this party, but they didn't know what the event was. And they were asked certain questions around whether they could identify or knew who people were, such as Will Farrell or Sasha Baron Cohen. And apparently, as soon as this dance happened, that obviously descended into an absolute nightmare, they then all just left the room and demanded their belongings back and left. So everyone within this scene was duped, but there are quite a few situations that arise within this dance where people are just made to look like absolute fools so there's a dad within this dance he's approached by Bora and I can't remember which way around it is he says something like how much would you let me pay you for your daughter or how much would you pay me for mine and he gives an answer which is unforgivable 
and his daughter hears this and you see this little spat between them and it is just so cringe inducing and even me at that point i was thinking is this real is this a real reaction but from what i've read it would appear that that was not set up it was genuine so they do capture some absolute blinders of moments within this film but um yeah, did it work for you, this whole scene? Because I, I know for a few people I've spoke to, it was a bit of a deal breaker. Some people feel it went a bit too far. Because I knew it was coming, I knew that the reveal, so to speak, was coming. When the skirt did go up, I thought, oh, yeah, there it is. And I thought it was predictable. You know how they're going to react. So the producers of the film organised that event and invited people to it. Yeah. Right, okay. I thought it was an event that Borat was attending. Yeah, and it is very clever in that way. I think there's a lot of manipulation with the editing to make things appear in a different light. And and that arguably is the reason why you should approach this film with caution in terms of what some people say and how and when they said it, if that makes any sense. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, th- Thumbs down for me for that scene. Did you like it? I, d- I did laugh, but for a film that... I think is purporting itself to be some sort of political statement that wasn't making one there. That was just a cheap joke, which unfortunately, given my sense of humour, did work for me, but I don't think it sat well within the message of, of the film itself. Yeah, you're not showing the real America when you set up the entire situation for yourself. Yeah. Another one is the right-wing rally. I've not been able to get a lot of detail about this, and some of it's been quite conflicted information as well but in the scene within the film he starts chanting this Wuhan flu song gets the crowd to come along with him and and start singing it themselves but I heard on the down low and probably everywhere all over the news now I just don't have it written in front of me that he was actually booed off stage and then they reshot bits around this to make it look completely different so again manipulating you with the editing But it seems that 80%-ish of what happened within that scene was pretty much as it was. Got to be honest, I don't think that added much to the film either. That scene was, for me, one of the weaker things in there. Don't know about you. Yeah, again, like I was saying before, that was a pure attack on that group of people. Fair enough if they support the wrong guy, but it was, let's make these people look like absolute idiots even if it's getting them to repeat what I'm saying, where they're already repeating anything that's being said, was it really that much of a gotcha thing when you've manipulated them to say exactly what you're saying? Yeah, I did as well read that one of the people who was behind that event has come out and said he feels quite uh, done over by Sasha Baron Cohen here because he said they approached him and he said, I'm tired of us being misrepresented and yes, I would like to work with you. The producer of the film then paid them $50,000 and then did the complete opposite of what they probably claimed they would do. So I can understand his frustration there. I mean, don't get me wrong, there are some people here that I wouldn't give the time of day, but I'm sure mixed in beneath all that, not everyone is a complete and utter evil person. So did they deserve it? Maybe not. Absolutely. And there's a better example of this kind of thing where you're getting reactions from people, not just getting them to do stuff. In the Bruno film, there's the amazing scene where Sasha Baron Cohen as Bruno and another guy start scrapping inside a cage at an MMA show and then start kissing and stripping each other off. And you get all the reactions of the people in the crowd and it's such a perfect scene. Much, much better version of what we're talking about here in Borat 2 where it's not really people reacting to things, you're just getting them to look like idiots. Yeah, 
I, I agree with that. I agree. Couldn't find any information on the two scenes that didn't quite sit right with me in terms of, hang on, how have they got them to agree to this? So the plastic surgeon who confesses, yeah, he probably would have sex with his daughter, my word, and the doctor in the anti-abortion clinic who comes across in a horrific way. I don't know any details around that. I haven't read anything. And it does make you think, seem as I can't find anything out, was that really real or was it staged? I don't know. But yeah, there you go. Couldn't find out about that. The only bit that they've come out and said, yes, somebody was in on the joke and we told them beforehand is the synagogue scene with Judith Dimmer Evans, who has sadly passed away following the film. And despite her being on the, on the joke, uh, her estate still started to sue the production company, but that case has since been dismissed. So there you go. And do you suspect that the producers have only come out and been clear that it was staged out of respect for this woman who sadly passed away? The cynic in me says, yes, I think there is a bit of that going on, which does leave me in doubt with other things that go on in the film. But I guess we may never really know the full truth of what is and isn't real within this film. And maybe that's how they want it to be. Who knows? The other person that features prominently in this that's been in the news recently is... Janice Jones, who is the now unemployed babysitter who takes care of Tutar, the daughter, for some time, who has since been the target of a crowdfunding campaign that's raised more than $107. And Sasha Bowen Cohen himself has added $77,000. But point is, she was for real, not acting. She was told it would be a documentary about child brides and she just showed that she's a kind and amazing person. And there were some great scenes in there as well where Tutar shows her the, the book about lies about the female anatomy. That was all good. That was more like classic Borat where you show this crazy stuff to someone and they have genuine reactions to it that are entertaining. So that was real and that was good, in my opinion. What did you think? No, I agree. In fact, thinking about it, my biggest laugh was with the bringing in the ball and the ball and chain into a house. I don't know why, but that I was in stitches with that. I found it hilarious. I can't even remember what he says at the time, but yeah, that I did find that really funny. Yes, that was good. And a good episode, I think, I hope. What do we have planned for next week? Not a whole hell of a lot because we have checked the schedules between us, the release schedules. There's nothing out. There is nothing out. So next week, we are going to treat you to The Boys Season 2 full season review. We were going to drop that as a bonus episode, but hey-ho, that's the way it goes. In times of crisis comes opportunity, and that is what we've done. It's going to be a bloody diabolical episode. But until then... Do leave us some feedback. Please do. We are rising up the rankings of the iTunes and Spotify charts, so please help us to continue to do so by liking and subscribing. And if you wish to leave us any feedback, you can do so at inthealespodcast at gmail.com or reach out on Instagram. In the Isles podcast. Oh, yeah, that's it, isn't it? Sorry, I was waiting for the rest. From now until then, bye. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>